0: Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson teaches us that there are many facets to the Christian experience. However, understanding and living out this foundational truth from 1 Corinthians 1.9 is essential to experiencing God. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. One of the best definitions that I've run across for vision is a desire for what could be and what should be. I'd like to expand that a little bit in the context of River Fellowship and say that vision is what is a desire for what could be and should be and with God's grace will be. At River Fellowship, we have a four-part vision statement and that is experience God Exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. We want everyone that comes as a part and is associated with River Fellowship to experience God, to exalt Christ, to embrace the community, and then to go and engage the world. What I'd like to do over the next several weeks is walk us through the vision statement. This week and next week, I want to speak specifically to the tenet of experience God. What does that look like and what is that about? So I invite you to to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're actually going to look at one verse this morning, but I'll give you a little context. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul just introduces himself Paul called to be an apostle of Christ. Verse 2, he introduces and identifies who he's writing the letter to the church in Corinth, those in Christ. Those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord. Verse 3, he gives us his basic salutation and greeting that he does in all of his letters. Grace and peace to you. Verses 4 through 9, he just gives us some encouraging introductory comments. Just to bless them, to affirm them as he does in most of his other letters. And then in verse 10, he gets into where he starts to deal with very specific topics and issues. We're going to look at verse 9 this morning the end of these encouraging words to see what Paul says in this one verse, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Now, I know some of you may have different translations, but mine is God, comma, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, comma, is faithful. So in grammar, we know that which is outside the commas is the main thought, it's the main concept. That which is inside the commas is supplementary information. So that outside the comma can stand alone by itself even minus what's inside the commas. So what I wanna look at first is what is Paul's main point? What is he saying outside the commas? So we can get his main point. Outside the commas is simply God is faithful. That's the main point he's trying to communicate us in this passage. God is faithful. So let's look at that first. The word faithful means reliable. It means trustworthy. God's the one that's faithful. He's reminding us that God's the faithful and not not us. But in scripture, we see all kinds of promises of his faithfulness. We don't have time to, to look at all of them, but some of these like, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. On and on and on, his faithfulness. There's an old song by the group, the Imperials, Blast from the Past for some of you. The chorus said, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to move away. He didn't lift us up to let us down. God is faithful But probably the most important word in this phrase to me is the little word is. God is faithful. And this little word is gives us three truths, I think, about God's faithfulness. The first is that God's faithfulness is a reality, it's a fact, it's truth, it's a reality. God is faithful. I don't have to think He's faithful, I don't have to hope He's faithful. It's not, well, maybe He's faithful. God is faithful at our house we've got several grandchildren and so we've got a uh, this little plastic bowling set so they love to play with this so when we're outside when you know when it's nice weather we go outside and our backyard has a dry, uh, a sidewalk that goes all the way down the through the back and so they'll get on that little sidewalk and they use that as a bowling alley well when it's cold weather we'll get in our uh, entry hallway and so they'll They'll bowl. So they love to do this. And actually, I'm not a bad bowler. I don't bowl a lot. But when I do, you know, I'm pretty average. So I want to ask you a question, a little audience participation. (laughs) How how many of you know for sure that when I bowl this, I'm going to knock down all five of those pins? You know for sure. I'm deeply offended. (laughs) Thank you. I have one brave soul. How many of you think I can I might you think you think maybe yeah okay a little more how many of you would say well I hope you can I mean Daryl I really like you I don't know if you can but I really hope you can I hope you do okay thank you for that encouragement how many of you don't give a rip okay let me let me ask you this if I did it from here how many of you know for sure I'd knock them all down you still doubt me gosh let's see how i do you want to just for kicks oh i got three almost Almost. obviously you're not going to put any of your faith in my bowling prowess and you're wise to do that but the problem is some of us have that same dynamic when it comes to our belief in god's faithfulness if I were to say, do you know for sure God is faithful, maybe we can't raise our hands. We think we think he's faithful. Maybe he's faithful. I really love him, so I hope he's faithful, but I'm just not for sure. What Paul is saying right here is you can count on it. It's a fact, it's a reality, it is truth. God is faithful. But not only is it a reality, but secondly, it is experiential. In other words, Paul is saying you can know experientially. You can feel his faithfulness. You can live through his faithfulness. You have to remember this is Paul writing this. And Paul, of all the believers in history, probably suffered the most, encountered the most persecution, was in the most Negative situations of any believer in history. And God is, or Paul is giving testimony. We know Paul has been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been flogged. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He spoke in multiple hostile environments where he had to depend on God to give him the words. And so Paul is giving testimony and witness that God is faithful. If God had not been faithful to Paul in these situations, Paul never would have penned this in the first place. So the fact that he writes God is faithful, he's testifying in every single one of my situations and events, God has proven over and over every single time that God is faithful. And Paul is saying, you know how I know? Because I've experienced it over and over. So it's experiential. But third... God's faithfulness is constant. It's constant. It's not God is often faithful. God is sometimes faithful. God's faithful in certain situations. In fact, that's, even, that's an impossibility. God can't be sometimes faithful. By definition of faithfulness, he's either faithful or he's not. There's no in-between. So you have to say, yes, God is faithful, or no, God is not faithful. But the good news is God's faithfulness is constant. He will be faithful to you in your temptations. He'll be faithful to you in your tribulations. He'll be faithful to you in the storms of life, in the issues of life that you have to go through. God will be faithful. In fact, if you look in verse 8, just one verse up from our passage, it says, he will keep you strong to the end. So you'll be blameless. He'll keep you strong to the end. Why does Paul say that? Because, verse nine says, because God is faithful. <laughs> He's gonna keep you to the end, blameless, because God is faithful. Philippians 1.6 says this way, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So this is the main message that Paul's trying to communicate. God is faithful and you can count on it. That's outside the commas. But now there's a statement and a phrase Inside the commas, that's the one I really want to camp out on a little bit longer. God, comma, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's called you into fellowship with Jesus Christ. Pardon me, I need to take care of something. Hang on. It's a little awkward, I'm sorry. I need to take care of some business here. Hey David, what are you doing? I'm good. Oh, we're in here with the uh, River Fellowship Kids, RF Kids. How are you doing? We're doing good. Y'all having a good time over there? Great time. Can y'all say hi to Pastor (coughs) Darrell? The kids are having a great time. Your parents are safe and secure and having a great time over there. Hey David, I just called real quick to see if you have any time this week to go have lunch. Absolutely. You bet. You name it, I can be there. Okay. Thursday looks like pretty good weather, too. We may need to play some golf together. You you good for that? All set. Okay, good. Well, listen, I'll call you later, and we'll talk details, okay? Sounds good. All right, take care of those kids care, for us. huh? Bye. Uh, bye. Sorry, I had to take care of that real quick. <laughs> That's the essence of this verse. God has called you into fellowship with his son. That word called means to summon. It means to invite. And it means a very deliberate, intentional act. And it also includes a reason. In other words, no one makes a phone call without a reason for calling that person. So when we make a phone call, we have a reason for the call, and we have to make a very deliberate, intentional act to connect with that person. And that's what this passage is saying that God has made a very deliberate, intentional act. To connect with you. And what's the reason? It's to have fellowship with you. God desires fellowship with you more than you will ever desire fellowship with him. That's a great truth. It says he's called us into fellowship. It's interesting to me that we are not called first and foremost to serve the Lord. We're not called first and foremost to evangelize the world. We're not called first and foremost to meet needs in our community. We're not called first and foremost to champion a cause. We're not even called first and foremost to live a blameless life and get our, our stuff in order. All that's important and part of it. But we're called first into fellowship with Jesus Christ. Because without fellowship, everything else is awash. But with the fellowship, Everything comes into place and in its perfect order. Now, when we think about fellowship, the word actually means here close association. But it includes the outcome of that close association. In other words, the perks and the benefits of that close association. And for this word, when we think close association, don't think proximity, rather think intimacy. God has called us into intimacy with Him, into an intimate relationship with Him. Think about someone that you really admire, you really expect, a a hero of yours. That one person that if you had a chance to meet them, this is the person that you would want to meet. Let's say you get the chance to meet that person. After you talk for a few moments, you decide to be pretty brave and you say, hey, could I have your phone number? I would love to be able to call you just whenever and talk about stuff. And that hero that you admire gives you his phone number. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, think of this scenario. What if after you meet this person, that person asks you for your phone number and said, I would like to call you at my convenience anytime. Could I call you so you give him your phone number? That would be amazing. This is what It's taking place in this verse. This is this dynamic that God's trying to communicate. That God has initiated a phone call and he is wanting to call you to have fellowship, to have intimacy. This word fellowship has four dynamics to it. The first is that this fellowship is with what I'll call with the preeminent one. The fellowship that we're discussing is with the preeminent one. And that word preeminent, it means superior, supreme, matchless, peerless, unequaled, unsurpassed. Ephesians 121 says it this way, God is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. In other words, it's a picture of down here are all these kings and rulers and little gods, and God is far above all of these rulers and dominion. He is so far above them, there is no peer. There's no one equal to Him. In fact, He is so far above and so far superior, there's not even a title that we can give Him worthy of who He is. Revelation 5-2 gives a great word picture. It's John. They're getting ready to open the seals and the scroll for the tribulation. Verse two says, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Verse four, John says, I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. But then an elder said, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll. In other words, there's only one person in all of creation worthy to open the scroll, and it's the one that God's calling you into intimate relationship with. If you wanna look at Colossians chapter one, there's a great paragraph here that gives us more insight into who is this preeminent one? Who is this one that we have relationship and fellowship with? Colossians one, verse 15, talking about Jesus, says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So this preeminent one, that we have the invitation to have intimacy with, verse 15 says, he's the perfect image of God, the God incarnate. 16, he's the creator of all things. 17, he's the sustainer of all things. Verse 18, he's greater than all things. 19, he's the fullness of God. And verse 20, he's the reconciler of all things. This is the person that we have an invitation to have intimacy with, the preeminent one. But secondly, the fellowship is perpetual. Perpetual. This fellowship is perpetual. It's never ending. It's eternal. In John 14, Jesus is about to talk to his disciples about leaving and they're a little distraught. And so he tells them, I'm going. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. So that where I go, you may come also. So that where I am, you may be. Great news. God is preparing a place for for us why so that we can have eternal fellowship and intimacy with our creator i know a lot of you guys are probably big chip and joanne gaines fans fixer-upper everybody love them probably disappointed that they're losing their show or quit their show whatever it is we've watched that some and it's amazing what chip and joanne can do in a home they can go they can redo it it's beautiful they can do the decorating and all that stuff and when you go in it's warm it's inviting it's 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 just a place you'd love to be at. They spent a lot of time and effort to build this home for this family. Well, I've got a creator (laughs) of all things preparing my home for me for eternity. And no disrespect to Chip and Joanna, but there's no comparison to the two. So the great news about this fellowship is it doesn't end when we die. It only begins and it becomes even more intimate. This fellowship is perpetual. It never ends. But thirdly, the fellowship is present too. It's not just for the by and by. We don't have to wait to experience that intimacy until we're in heaven with him. We get to experience the joy of that intimacy now. It's present in the here and now through a spirit that resides in us and allows our spirit to connect with his spirit. But fourth, this fellowship is personal, which is the most important thing for each of us this morning because God has called you into fellowship. He's not calling someone else necessarily. You don't have to worry about the other calling. The only thing you need to think about this morning is God is calling you into intimate relationship with him. It's personal. In this fellowship, in this intimacy, there is something that greatly enhances and assists and aids in this intimate fellowship, and that is personal devotion. It's that time of personal devotion. Personal devotion is a, is a core value at River Fellowship. It's the foundational element We want to provide materials for your personal devotion. We want to encourage that. We want to help implement that in your life if it's not part of your life. And by personal devotion, I'm simply meaning that personal time between you and the Lord, that time alone that you spend in Scripture and in prayer and worship. That's the bedrock and the foundation of everything else you'll do. If I could only preach one message, if I could only say one thing, if I could only give one word of encouragement to someone it would be have a personal devotion with Christ. Make that discipline to spend time with him every day in scripture and in prayer and in worship because it makes all the difference in the world. If that's not part of your practice, I encourage that to become one. If that is part of your practice, I encourage you to continue that. And here's the cool thing. Sometimes we struggle in that. I personally struggle in that from time to time where it kind of weighs and I have to come back, but there's one truth that helps me in my personal devotional time when I'm struggling And that's to remember, it's not something I do, it's someone I meet. Personal devotion isn't a task. It's not something I do, it's not simply a discipline that I can check off and say, okay, I spent some time in the Word today. No, it's someone that I meet. It's someone that I'm having intimate fellowship with. In essence, what it is, is when God's calling you, you're picking up the phone, and you're answering the phone. That's what you're doing in your personal devotion time. It's that intimate time between you and the Lord. That will be the bedrock and that will enhance this intimate relationship more than anything else you'll ever do in your Christian experience. But there is also something that will hinder your fellowship with Christ. Namely, sin. On a lot of times on Fridays, um, I'm off, or at least part, off part of the day, and Denise is at work on Friday, so I'll clean the house a lot of times on Fridays, and one of my tasks is to sweep the floor. Well, on the weekends, sometimes I won't do it on Friday, so on the weekends, Denise and I are doing it together, so we each have our own chores, so she does certain things, I do certain things, and part of my chores is to sweep the floor. We've got, uh, in our bedrooms, they're carpeted, but the rest of the house is that vinyl planking, kind of that wood-grain vinyl planking. The good thing about that is we've got four or five kind of different shades of of wood grain in that floor, tents in, in the floor, so it has kind of this multicolor kind of wood grain look. The good news about that is it hides dirt great. You don't see it. You can go for years and never see anything, it seems like. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I was clean the house and so it came up to time to, to sweep so I just kind of looked you know around the floor and said hey it looks great this doesn't need to be swept I thought about it more I said no I'm gonna go ahead and sweep it so I started sweeping starting the kitchen started sweeping everything up got a little pile kind of went to move to the living room started sweeping everything up went to the other back room and started sweeping everything up and what was really funny is as I swept this up. By the time I'm finished, I had this huge pile of stuff and dirt and crud piled up. What was weird, about, I don't know, 1,500 square foot of space on the floors, it didn't look like there was any dirt at all, but you put all that in one square foot of space and it's just this mass of dirt. As I was just kind of thinking about that, God's Spirit spoke to me in my spirit and said, that's the way it is with sin. You can look in your life and it looks like there's nothing going on, it's kind of just spread out everywhere, and it's kind of been kind of raining and gotten really comfortable in there, and so you don't even realize it's there, but if you'll allow me to begin to kind of sweep that up and bring it to the forefront of your heart and your spirit and your mind, and let's put it all here together, whoa, there really is a lot of undealt with sin in my life, and his word to me was, let me sweep it up. Don't let it stay in there. There's three truths here, three principles about this that I'll share with you. Maybe one of them will speak to you. The first, for some, sin has never been swept away at all. In salvation, it's as if, one word picture, is that God takes all this sin in our life, our spirit. Our sin condition, our spiritual sin condition, all of our sins, past, present, and future, he sweeps it all up, he puts it up, and he just throws it all away, and he removes it, it's gone. So some people do not have fellowship with Christ because they've never come into relationship with Christ. They've never had that initial point where they have asked God to forgive their sin, to cleanse their sin, and to remove their sin, they've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That happens to be someone here this morning. You can have that initial Cleansing by simply confessing that Jesus Christ is God's son who died on the cross for your sin, for my sin. And I ask him to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life and to cleanse me of all that unrighteousness. He takes all that sin and he removes it and he throws it away. And now you enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. So there's some people that don't have that fellowship because they're not in relationship. But there's a second group for some they don't even really recognize their need to sweep sin up. They become so comfortable with the sin issues and the things in their life. It's it's just become a a way of life for us that we don't even recognize it. We start to look around and we say, hey, everything's cool. There's nothing wrong. I'm, I'm in really great shape. In other words, there's no real sensitivity to internal sin. As forgiven children of God, as believers, we still sin. Now, our sin condition has been removed. This, the flesh has been removed. Our sins have been cleansed. We're no longer under the penalty of sin and the power of sin. We've been forgiven. So we have that status in Christ. But as believers, we can still sin because our flesh is not regenerate, so we're still struggling against that. When this happens our relationship, our status in Christ does not change. We're still in relationship. In other words, once we give our life to Christ, that is secure and that is eternal. We have the guarantee of the Spirit within us. So once we sin as a follower of Christ, when we yield to our temptation, we don't lose our salvation, we don't lose Jesus Christ, our relationship is still intact, okay? But what happens is it affects our fellowship and our intimate relationship, fellowship with him because it's possible for us to grieve the Spirit of God and it's possible for us to quench the Spirit of God in our life and to restrict His flow in and through us and that's what sin does it begins to grieve and quench the Spirit and the Spirit's flow is restricted it's interesting to me that sin does not immediately affect our evangelistic efforts we can still talk to people about Jesus. Sin does not immediately affect our service and our volunteer efforts. We can still go do things for the Lord. It does not immediately even affect our witness and our testimony. But sin will immediately impact and affect your fellowship and intimacy with him. Immediately. Because it begins to quench and grieve the Spirit of God. So what does God do when that happens? He brings conviction on your life. That's what conviction is all about. And the good thing about conviction is it's God trying to call you back into fellowship. Sometimes we think conviction is a bad thing. We think it's kind of like prison. I, I was convicted of a crime. That's a bad thing. That's not spiritual conviction. That's not biblical conviction. Biblical conviction is a good thing that says, You are mine. And I want intimate relationship with you. I want intimate fellowship with you. I'm calling you into intimate relationship, but there's something in your life that is hindering that fellowship. And we're not connected the way we need to be. We're not experiencing that oneness together. And I want to get back to that intimacy, so I'm bringing conviction on your life and on your heart so that you will become aware and become sensitive that you have something blocking that intimacy, and they'll bring you to the point where you'll say, okay, God, let's sweep it up. Let's bring it together, and let's deal with it. That's why it's so critical when you sense God's convicting spirit in your life, do not run from it. Do not ignore it. Respond to it. Receive it. Because it's not God being mad at you or condemning you. It's just the opposite. It's God saying, I love you so much. And I desire relationship with you so deeply. I want to remove anything and everything that hinders that. So we sweep it up. Here's the third and final aspect of this illustration. That is, there are some who have a constant conviction of sin. Now, there are some that have a constant conviction because they're living in sin and they're just kind of going crazy. I'm not talking about that. That's another issue. That's kind of number two we just talked about. What I'm talking about is there are some that live with a continual conviction of sin. It's because they have a constant sensitivity to the sin in their life. In other words, they've come to the place in their spiritual walk where they don't want sin to reign in their life. And they stay sensitive to the sin that's in their life. One sign of a deepening intimate relationship with Jesus is a more sensitivity and awareness to the sin in your life. If you're feeling more and more convicted of sin, it may not necessarily because you're sinning more and more and more. It may be because you're becoming more and more sensitive to the sin in your life. So those things that once didn't bother you, you didn't even think about it, now because you're deepening a relationship, those things now are beginning to offend you as well. It's beginning to hurt your heart because you know it hurts God's heart and you're more sensitive to what the Spirit is trying to communicate in you and he's bringing those things to the forefront so you're more aware and you're more sensitive. That's a good thing. In fact, what I'm gonna say as we close here is that every one of us should have that kind of sensitivity to the sin in our life. To say, God, I don't want anything in my life that's gonna hinder this intimacy. So I wanna maintain a sensitivity as soon as you bring conviction. Father, bring it and i receive it, and I'll deal with it. Here's the truth of the passage. God is faithful. You can bank on it. And God is unequaled. And God has given you an invitation, an opportunity to have intimate relationship with him. What an opportunity. What a privilege. May we answer that call and experience that kind of walk with Him. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To hear more messages, or to learn more about River Fellowship, go to rfamarello.org. Thanks, have a great week.